could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber. Alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, we're going to be talking all NFL. We took last week off entirely from football talk. So, how we're going to start today's show is... We're going to do our top 10 power rankings. This is normally how we wrap things up, but it feels like a good way to catch everybody up on where we're standing with how things look around the league because I know that for me, a lot of things have changed in these past couple weeks. It has been a volatile NFL season, and honestly, half the time, I just think that there's like two good teams in the league, and I'm not even sure about the second team sometimes. So, Logan, let's start with you. Who do you have at 10? Well, I want to start with two teams that I left off of my list um, in the Rams and the Cardinals. The Rams, uh, I really want to put on my list because I'm so confident in their defense and just the talent on this roster. But Jared Goff and his inconsistencies kill me week in, week out. Uh, This past week against the Niners, his two interceptions against the Dolphins, he threw the game. And I just want to throw one stat on the offensive side for this Rams team. They have two of the top five yards after the catch receivers in the NFL in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Cup this year, 438 yards after the catch. Woods, 390 after the catch. It's embarrassing that this Rams offense cannot get on track with all the talent they have on this team. And as for the Cardinals, I left them off my list as well, just because uh, two losses, two back-to-back losses against the Seahawks and Patriots. And uh, it could be four straight losses for this team, if not for a last-second Hail Mary. So that is really the reason I left them off. My team at number 10 is the Miami Dolphins. And I know they're coming off of a loss to the Denver Broncos where... Uh, We saw a lot of QB turnover and a win against the very measly Jets. But uh, to me, with the schedule that they have left, uh, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Patriots, three winnable games. I expect them to finish out 10-6. and They've got a really solid defense. To me, the Dolphins just have a really solid formula that they can rely on. If they win the turnover battle, the Dolphins are going to win the game. And uh, we saw it against the Jets. We saw it against the Chargers, against the Cardinals when... Uh, They can limit turnovers and uh, let their defense do most of the heavy lifting for this unit. It's it's their strong suit. Uh, It's what the Dolphins do best. So, uh, to me, they've been just a little more consistent on both sides of the ball than the Cardinals or the Rams in these last few weeks. So, I've been a huge Dolphins advocate, and I do think that they're a very good football team, but I have cooled down on them a little bit. The Broncos' loss was a bit sobering, and I don't love the switch back to Fitzpatrick because if you talk about winning the turnover battle, he is certainly worse in that respect than Tua was. My 10th pick is the Indianapolis Colts, and I really don't have that much to say about them. They are coming off of a very bad performance against the Tennessee Titans, who I actually have them over because the Titans were my first team off the list. And the reason for that is I just trust the Colts' formula to success a little bit more. Now, they aren't the league-best defense that they started the season as, but they are still a very good unit on that end. And offensively, Logan, I know that we can have our issues with Phillip Rivers, but he has been good enough to this point. And while the Titans look completely and utterly dominant, In some stretches when they are running the ball down teams' throats and that opens up just such easy play action for Tannehill, I have too many concerns about the defense, so it's great when they play their style of football, but I have concerns about that working in the playoffs if their defense doesn't step up huge because the reason they were able to win a couple playoff games last year is their defense way overperformed even compared to what it did in the regular season and certainly to what it has looked like this year. So I left the Titans off. I have the Colts at 10. Who do you have at 9? Uh, The next team on my list at nine is actually the Colts as well, Carson. And uh, I think they've had some run game inconsistencies these past few weeks with Jonathan Taylor being out. But uh, coming off of two of their biggest wins of the season against the Titans a few weeks ago and against the Packers, 
Uh, honestly, the loss to the Titans scares me. It puzzles me a little bit why you don't have the Titans on there because uh, I just haven't seen the Colts get bullied like that in any game this year, and Derrick Henry manhandled that team. That being said, they're 7-4 and four through the toughest part of their schedule. They've only got, I think, two testers really left, uh, the Raiders and the Steelers, uh, with Phillip Rivers under helm. I don't think you can call any game a guaranteed win, but if you got the Texans twice and the Jaguars once, I think that 10 wins is probably pretty easily secured, but uh, hard part's done, uh, although the Tennessee Titans game does scare me, and um, I know for a fact Tennessee is not a team I want to see in the playoffs, Carson. I will point out, though, that we're three weeks removed from the Colts blowing out the Titans. So those sort of cancel out to me, and maybe we have a little bit of recency bias because one just happened. And I agree, it was jarring. The Titans can flat-out overpower teams, and we saw it against the Buffalo Bills. When they are going, they are just a well-oiled machine. They're hard to stop. I just question how well that works in the playoffs against top-tier defenses where maybe you go down early and then you have to throw your way back into a game. My number nine is the LA Rams. I cannot leave them off at this point. I think that they would be a Super Bowl contender if they had a good quarterback. Unfortunately, Jared Goff is not that. He's much too turnover prone, and we've seen him hold them back in so many instances throughout this season. But this defense is absolutely incredible. I think there's an argument to be made that it is the best in the league, and we will actually talk about that a little bit later. But I can't pick against this roster. I can't pick against this coaching staff right now. I will say that there is definitely a ceiling on them because of Goff, but they have to be in my top 10 because I just think they're a better all-around football team than some of the alternatives. Who do you have at eight? At number eight, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, obviously, two really big losses these past few weeks against the Rams and against the Chiefs. Uh, for me, uh, this defense is elite. Uh, I think week to week, we really see their differences. Obviously, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill uh, massacred that secondary, but... I trust this Buccaneers defense a lot more than other teams to get pressure, uh, to stop the run, and I don't expect their secondary to play that bad as they did against Kansas City. Uh, the real issue in Tampa Bay has just been offensive consistency. Uh, Brady and Carson, we learned this in, I believe, the Taylor Place uh, like diner or the cafeteria that any quarterback under Bruce Arians is just extremely turnover prone. So uh, I remember that one kid just told us that Jameis Winston led the league, Palmer led the league, and uh, we've never seen Brady like this. And I, I think we're it's under Arians' system. It's just what's going to happen under him as a head coach. I don't know if it's play calling. So Brady's interceptions and deep ball issues, I think, are just a byproduct of getting adjusted to Bruce Arians' system more than anything else. His numbers this season, 28 touchdowns to 11 interceptions at age 43, are still very impressive. Um, if they get, I expect them to run four straight wins off and get back in the top five. Tampa Bay is definitely not a, they're not a number eight team in the league. They are way better than where I have them ranked. But coming off two straight losses, uh, I have to bump them down below some other teams. I have them eighth as well. And they're such a fascinating team because they have looked just hideous for the past few weeks. And a large part of that is due to Brady turning the ball over at a ridiculous clip. He has seven picks in the last four weeks and is making some really bad decisions that are uncharacteristic of him. It feels like he's forcing balls. He's thrown some ducks, which you highlighted a couple weeks ago in his just absolutely terrible performance against the Saints. So I don't know if I'm still thinking they're a Super Bowl contender kind of team. I think that the defense, although still very good, has come back to earth a little bit. But 
it really is going to go with Brady. What level of Brady do we see? He obviously is still physically there. He's not Drew Brees. The dude can throw the ball with some zip. He can step in. He hasn't been overly successful throwing deep this year, which is worth noting, but he can do what he has to do. But how good is he? And does he continue to turn the ball over? Those are going to be the determinants and how high this team can really fly, in my opinion. But I don't think I can have them much higher than this right now based on what they've actually done on the football field. They're a 7-5 and five team with some really ugly losses. So you can believe in the talent, but you can't, I think, call them top five at this point or anything like that. Who do you have at seven? Uh, at number seven, I have the Seattle Seahawks. And I think the real, uh, I think, honestly, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf uh, these past few weeks, I think they have solidified them as my number one QB receiver duo in the league. I just, they, they just have this unspoken chemistry that I see on the field where Russell Wilson knows where he's going, Metcalf knows where the ball needs to be. Uh, they're just the best deep ball uh, duo in the league. And I think what we've seen against these uh, in these past two weeks with the Cardinals and the Eagles, uh, this defense, while their secondary is extremely bad and has not improved whatsoever as the season's gone along. Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams are going to be huge factors as we head into this back half of the year and into the playoffs. Uh, Dunlap, I believe, got the uh, game-ending sack on uh, Kyler Murray. or uh, he, he ended a game a few weeks ago, and Adams has been all over the field in his return. Uh, and these past two weeks, they haven't turned over the football, which has been a huge reason why they've been able to win these close games. Uh, I, I trust the Seattle offense to show up every single week because Russell Wilson is under center with Chris Carson back. We saw a different um, type of offense against the Eagles, just a different uh, a different style of offense that they can run to beat teams. So I trust this offense to show up every single week and put up uh, 20 to 30 points. It, it's all just going to be on how this defense performs week in, week out. And honestly, Pete Carroll's decision-making, because I've seen him go for fourth downs for uh, when when there's easy points on the board. And me as a football fan, you never want to give away points. And uh, Pete Carroll just has a tendency to, to push the bill when he should just take the three. I have the Seahawks a couple spots higher than this still, although I don't think they're a great all-around football team because I think there are very few great all-around football teams this year. And... It's a, it's a season of incredible parity where there are questions to me about almost every team from the top down except for the Kansas City Chiefs. Spoiler alert, I still have them in my top spot. My number seven, Logan, and I don't think you're going to have this team on your list, I'm pretty confident about it, is the Baltimore Ravens, who have lost four of their last five, but none by more than six points. Two of them to the Steelers, one obviously without Lamar Jackson out there. Another one to the Titans, a quality playoff team, and they also crushed the Colts in that stretch. They still have a plus 6.1 point differential. They don't have a bad loss on the year outside of a very close one to the New England Patriots, and maybe they don't have any jaw-dropping wins, but I think that they've really assembled a similar formula to last year. Now, obviously, we have seen a drop-off from Lamar and his efficiency both as a passer and as a runner, but this is still one of the flat-out best rushing attacks in football. They have over 1,700 yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground on 4.9 yards per attempt across all of the guys they have carrying the ball. And defensively, this is as talented a unit as there is in football. I think you could make an argument that as far as all three levels, they have the most quality guys of any unit. We know how loaded the secondary is. The front has been really shored up with Calais Cam once he's fully healthy and out there again, and Yannick Ngakwe, and obviously already had Matthew Judon. I just think there's too much talent on this team. Down the stretch, I really expect them to finish out very strong. I think that we see them go 11-5 and five because they only have the Cowboys, Browns, Jags, Giants, and Bengals to go, which is about as easy as it gets. In fact, it is the easiest that it gets. So I'm still in on the Ravens. They've lost some close games to some good teams. That's not a disqualifier. 
Who knows what could have happened if they had Lamar out there against the Steelers because the Steelers played a far from perfect football game. So I still think this is a good playoff team. Who do you have at number six? Uh, at number six, I have your Buffalo Bills, Carson. And honestly, outside of Kansas City or Tennessee, um, I think that Buffalo is one of the scariest teams in the AFC just because Josh Allen can turn it on at the drop of a hat. How much talent, dynamicism you have offensively. And uh, who was that? Last week you had a guy, I think, what, like 14 tackles? Was it A.J. Klein? Klein played a great game. You... uh. Your linebacking core has stepped up here in the past, and your defense has stepped up. And honestly, if we are, I think that I think that NFL fans are sleeping on the Bills a little bit because we are one play, one DeAndre Hopkins hail mary away from the Buffalo Bills being nine and two, and people talking about them in the tier of being able to knock off the Chiefs. In my opinion, the Bills are that good this season. They have. Outside of the game last week against the Chargers, they've done a really good job of not turning the football over, of forcing a lot on the other side. We saw what they did to Russell Wilson um, in Week 9. The Buffalo Bills are a scary football team. I picked them as my as Super Bowl contenders uh, before the season started. I'm still with that. I think that uh, the Bills, I think just talent-wise, they're, they're a cut above, and they're not a team I want to run into in the playoffs. So I, I have the Bills here at six. I think with a pretty easy back half of the schedule, if they beat the Steelers, this is a team that could honestly crack my top three. I have the Bills at six as well. And I think that the talent is obviously there. The defense, as you mentioned, has started to improve. There are still cracks in that unit. But we have Matt Milano, who has just returned to practice. That is a huge loss that they have been dealing with for this entire season. That man is a stud. He's the best player in that linebacking core, in my opinion. And they have been without him. But Klein has stepped up. The thing with the Bills is they just need to play four good quarters of football in one game this year because they always play teams too close. Even that Chargers game was still coming down to it. And miraculously, there was a Hail Mary completed that put the Chargers in position for a garbage time score at the very end, which was frankly a terrible instance of deja vu. But every single team, they have not been able to play four good quarters against. If it was the Jets, if it was the Pats, these teams linger, they stay too close. The Rams, they played a perfect first half and then a terrible, terrible, terrible second half outside of one drive at the end. So the offensive firepower is there. The defense is talented. It hasn't been great this year, but it has stepped up a little bit. But I don't know. This seems a little too inconsistent for me to have them a tier above this right now, although I do think they're really good, and I do think that their ceiling is even higher than what we've seen up to this point. Who do you have at five? At number five, I've got the Tennessee Titans, and I talked about what they did to the Indianapolis Colts. That's really why I don't want to see the Titans again. That game against the Steelers came down to the wire. Um, they had a monster second half against us. I just know that Tennessee is basically unstoppable when you have Derrick Henry going, and the team that I saw last Sunday against the Colts was the team that I saw in the playoffs last season dominate the Ravens and dominate the Patriots en route to the AFC Championship game. Tennessee is a... They just have a frightening offense when the Colts have the strongest... I said before the season started, they were the Colts were the strongest team in the trenches in the entire NFL. So to see them get bullied speaks volumes and scares me that this... Colts offensive that this Titans offensive line could bully basically anyone throw on top of Derrick Henry that you have a massive wide receiver in AJ Brown and Corey Davis who can body up anybody to me the Titans are a real Super Bowl contender just because of the talent that they have uh, offensively and 
if Derrick Henry's going, it opens up Johnu Smith, it opens up Brown, it opens up Davis. They just, if they can get a pass rush here going in these last few weeks, it's been the issue for them all season. If they can get any semblance of a pass rush, I think this is a genuine Super Bowl contender in Tennessee. And uh, I'm really interested, Carson. Why don't you have them? What if? What is really? What is keeping them off of your list? So here are the things that keep them off my list. You talk about the lack of a pass rush, 14 sacks on the year, obviously the lack of a dominant guy there. Clowney isn't playing at that level. Harold Landry isn't playing at that dominant pass rusher level. And here are some teams that they've allowed 30-plus points to on the season. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who they beat by three. The Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, who they beat by one. The Houston Texans, who put up 36 on them and they had to beat in overtime. The Cincinnati Bengals, who put up 31 and beat them. The Colts, who put up 34 and trounced them the first time around. This team has just had so many narrow wins that don't convince me. And you say this reminded you of last year's team. I really disagree. This is a team that is currently defined by offensive firepower, and they're better there, but that defense allowed them to win games in the playoffs last year. It's why they were able to play that control-the-football, run-it-down-team's-throat style that they want to play. I don't know if they can do that again this year because I think this defense has taken a serious step back, and I just don't have faith in them following that same formula. So I understand having them in the top 10. Five is a little bit too high for me because part of what I evaluate here is how far can this team really go in the postseason? And my fifth team, the Seattle Seahawks, may not be as good of an all-around roster, but I see a much more translatable formula. There does come a point where you have to reward teams that are just better all around, which is why I don't have the Seahawks up at three or four where I've had them for some stretches of this season. But there are some encouraging signs. Russ has zero turnovers over the last two weeks, so he has calmed down and has stopped trying to play hero ball every single time out there. At the same time, the offense isn't putting up 35 points every single time out anymore. So that puts a little bit of a ceiling on their Super Bowl potential because the defense is still deeply problematic. But honestly, I still might trust this team more than a couple of the units that I have above them when it comes down to it, just because I have so much faith in Russ. Yes, you can look at this formula and say it's not sustainable, but as long as Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson, I think it is, and I still have a lot of faith in this team. Who do you have in the fourth spot? Uh, number four, I'm not really confident in my number four or number three spots, I'm going to be honest. I have the New Orleans Saints here, and it's really been because of the play of their defense in these past five weeks. They forced 13 turnovers. Uh, they're averaging 10 points per game in every contest. Granted, uh, last week was against a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback, and uh, one of them was Tom Brady's, uh, you know, screw it game where he just threw as many interceptions as possible. So uh, the, the defense has been really impressive thus far in this season. They've got a great pass rush. They've got a great secondary and they've got weapons on the offensive side. My only counter is if we don't see Drew Brees back here before the end of the season, uh, I'm definitely not confident in what the Saints can do in the playoffs. Taysom Hill is not going to win this team a playoff game. He's just not that good a thrower of the football uh, they have to get healthy as possible, and they have to have Drew Brees back for this team to genuinely be four. But the defensive performance we've seen in these past few weeks really reminds me of the Super Bowl caliber defense that I thought this team was at the start of the year. So uh, I think this team is our definite Super Bowl contenders if they can get Drew Brees back and healthy because uh, I definitely don't trust Taysom Hill. Uh, but this is definitely a Super Bowl caliber defense. I think it's interesting because you talk about the Saints needing to have Drew Brees. First of all, I agree about the caliber of their defense. I think that they have very clearly kicked into gear and are a pretty elite unit there. And earlier in the season, I was saying, okay, the Saints are a good all-around team. What is their elite Super Bowl strength? And I think that now there's certainly a case to be made that it is that defense and just 
the seamlessness with which their offense flows because you have Sean Payton and all these talented weapons and a good O-line, that's the thing to me as far as Breeze, I don't know how much they need him. Now, Taysom Hill is not really a quarterback, but Drew Brees at this point is essentially just a guy who makes good decisions with good timing and is accurate within 15 yards, and that is certainly valuable. Those are most of the important things that make a good quarterback, but I do think that there are certainly things that he does that are replaceable by Taysom Hill, and sometimes I think Sean Payton prefers having Taysom Hill out there just because I think he has such a thing for that guy's versatility and the fact that he can use him as a Swiss Army knife offensively. So, I have flipped on the Saints. I went from being pretty low on them to now being pretty high on them. I do not have them four. I have the Packers in the four spot, another team out of the NFC that I have mixed feelings about. The reason that I have now had the Packers and the Saints leapfrog the Seahawks is they just have less fundamental flaws. And earlier in the season, I was saying, okay, go with the dynamic offense, go with the best quarterback out of the group. Now I think that we have seen the Saints and Packers are good enough all-around teams, and the Packers have a great quarterback as well where they have overcome that deficit that is Russell Wilson's singular firepower offensively. With the Packers, I still don't love them. I can't get over how terrible they looked against the Bucs. That just will be imprinted in my mind forever. I can't really get over the Vikings' loss, which was bad. They had a really close game against the Jags a few weeks ago that shouldn't have been that way. Their only real quality win is over the Saints early in the season when they were still sort of finding their rhythm, weren't the defensive team that they are right now. So I don't love the Packers through and through. As incredible as Aaron Rodgers has been, and I think that I went a little bit crazy the a couple weeks ago when I said I might take Kyler and Josh over him, I do think that he is solidly the third best quarterback in football, but I do think if you make him uncomfortable you can force him into mistakes. And I think we saw that formula unlocked in the Bucks game, whereas most teams just haven't been able to make him uncomfortable. It's like he's sitting there with six seconds of time and just slinging the ball so casually. So he's been great. He's led so many methodical drives down the field, so many red zone touchdowns within like 10 yards. And I'm supporting the complete football team here, but I still don't really see them being that Super Bowl team right now. Who do you have third? Yeah, I have the Packers three as well. And uh, I think you touched on it pretty well. The... Packers have an elite offense and have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Their their biggest strength is when they don't turn the ball over. In games with turnovers, they're one and three. So it's a pretty simple formula for the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers plays perfect football, you'll win the game. But I think defensively, there are some issues that they need to address. Uh, the biggest one is uh, they don't have a really dominant run defense. When uh, this Packers team, I won't say has been bailed out, but because of the turnovers they've been able to force on that end, they've won a lot of games where teams have just trampled them in the run game. If they don't get cleaned up, if they take on, if the Vikings somehow sneak into the playoffs, we could see a rerun of what we saw in Week 8 where Dalvin Cook just runs over them and could send the Packers packing. So uh, I don't love the Packers like you said, but with a guy like Aaron Rodgers under center and consistent quarterback play, they're still a really dominant team with Super Bowl potential. So I have the Saints third. And I think that you can make a case that the Packers have Super Bowl potential, obviously. When I said Super Bowl team, I meant winning the Super Bowl. Because honestly, I can only see one team doing that right now, who we will talk about, I'm sure. I have the Saints third, as I said. This is a big flip for me because two weeks ago I had them ninth. I still don't know how high their ceiling is. I honestly might take the Seahawks over them if it came down to a single game. But 
They have so few flaws. The last four weeks, they have played just four complete dominant football games, a plus 92-point differential over the past four weeks, which is just disgusting. But the Bucks remain their only impressive win. It's really weird. It doesn't seem like their personnel actually matters that much. They've been okay without Drew Brees. They were okay without Michael Thomas. They just keep winning and chugging along. This is now eight straight for them. The defense is fantastic with 33 sacks, 18 turnovers forced. The run defense allows 3.3 yards per carry. Five total touchdowns on the ground they've led up all season. So it's a great all-around football team. I don't think they would be my pick to make it out of the NFC, even though they have my highest power ranking currently, just because I don't know about the ceiling. And it feels really weird for me to have three NFC teams, none of whom I'm completely sold on in my three through five spots. But that's just how I feel about the league this year. Let's get into the top two. It's been the same since, I don't know, week three. It's just been these two up top. Who do you have second? Who do you have first? Uh, at number two, I've got my Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, I just want to address the Steelers haters right now. Um, a lot of them saying that our schedule has been exceedingly easy, and I don't disagree. But if you're going to talk about how easy our schedule has been, I think you have to look at how easy the Kansas City Chiefs schedule has been. We have more wins over 500 teams, and uh, going by record-wise, they have had an easier schedule than us. So I don't want to hear that argument from teams from people that hate the Steelers. I also don't want to hear a Big Ben argument that Big Ben limits us offensively because this is, I can say this confidently, as a Pittsburgh Steeler fan for the past 15 years and the majority of Big Ben's career, this has been the most impressive season that Big Ben has ever had. So Big Ben is not the issue here in Pittsburgh. If you're going to tell me flaws in Pittsburgh, I'll tell you what they are. We have an inconsistent run game. I can't trust James Conner week to week if he's going to be healthy because one week he can run for 150 yards and he can break off a couple of big ones and put us in a great position to win. And then the next week he can get nothing on the ground and get stuffed at the line of scrimmage every play. So we have a very inconsistent run game. We have very bad offensive play calling at some points. I hated when Todd Haley was there and he'd call a screen on third and eight when we could just run to the sticks. Randy Finger does that same stuff. We're running a screen with Chase Claypool with two wide receivers blocking. When when you have offensive talent like the Steelers, Claypool, Juju, Washington, Deontay Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod, you should be running a vertical style offense on every third down just trying to get guys open. So if you're going to say that the Steelers are overrated, play calling has been a major issue. You can hit us with that. But it's not been. It is not our weapons. And for people who say that we have been outplayed in most of these games, we haven't. The Baltimore Ravens did not outplay us with their COVID squad. We killed them that entire game. We just couldn't get it done in the red zone. And defensively, I think people forget. The Steelers still have the best defense in the NFL. We have forced multiple turnovers in every single game this year except two. Uh, one game against the Titans where the Titans showed you the formula to beat us. You shut us down in the second half. You get Big Ben to throw some interceptions, and you can beat us. If we get if we force turnovers, because we didn't force any on the Titans, you can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we only had one against the Texans. We only won that game by seven. Defensively, the Pittsburgh Steelers are perfect. The only issues that I think people can have with this undefeated squad is our inconsistent run game and our bad offensive play calling. We tick every single other box as champions. Carson, with what you have seen out of the Steelers, are there any other aspects of the team that you think that are a little bit lackluster for an 11-0 team? Not particularly. I will say I don't think that that's fully accurate that the Steelers have had the more difficult schedule between them and the Chiefs, and they do have the same amount of wins over 500-plus teams, but I don't know if you can really count a win over the Ravens without Lamar Jackson as beating a 500-plus team, but 
Maybe you can point to the Steelers and say they haven't been as convincingly dominant every time out as you would want them to be. At the same time, it's a team with a plus 11.7 point differential that is yet to lose a game. I don't think they're on the same tier as the Kansas City Chiefs. However, as far as a complete all-around football team, I do think they are clearly the second best that we have in the NFL this year. And I think you make a good point about Ben. It's not that he is maybe as dynamic of a threat as he was a couple years ago, but he's just limiting the turnovers in a way that we haven't often seen from him. And he's making the easy plays a lot. And he has probably the most talented receiving core around him that he ever has as far as depth. And I just want to say one last thing. For people hating on that Ravens game, Big Ben played the best game of football I have seen this season against that practice squad Ravens team. Players just dropped every single... Deontay Johnson had to drop three. Ebron dropped two or three. We should have blown that squad out. And uh, we also had a bad decision uh, for Mike Tomlin going for it in the red zone when we should have just taken points. Just... That game should have been a blowout. I think we're getting a little too much flack because Ben played perfect. Uh, the wide receivers really let him down last week. Well, and also, it could have easily been 19-7 if not for a wild Hollywood Brown touchdown with a couple minutes to go that you do not see happening often. Okay, I have the Chiefs number one. Do you have anything you want to say about the Chiefs in the top spot? Uh, <laughs> No, they have Patrick Mahomes. They are the best team in football. Uh, they've got... They're just, they're just more talented than everybody. Yep. I completely concur, and we will talk about the Chiefs a little bit more as we get into our next segment, which will be true or false. So we did a full episode on this just a couple weeks ago, but we're doing it for part of today's show. The theme here is pretty simple, Logan. I pose a statement. You say whether or not it's true or false. The first one, Jalen Hurts will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles by season's end. Uh, true. Um, uh, Carson Wentz has... I've been a defender of Carson Wentz. I have tried for so long, and I still am. I think this is a really bad situation with this offensive line and the weapons that he has surrounding him, but when you look at Carson Wentz, his mechanics are off. I think his confidence is off. He's he's just overstepping. He's overthrowing guys. It's This is just not the same Carson Wentz that we saw from a few years ago, so uh, when you spend a second-round pick on a guy like Jalen Hurts, I have to think that the front office, while they've made, they've made a lot of terrible draft day decisions by passing on DK Metcalf, by passing on Justin Jefferson, I have to think that the Jalen Hurts pick was made with a, a point, with a, a an end goal, and the end goal being, if Carson Wentz isn't our guy, we have a guy to turn to with how bad Wentz has been this season, with his mechanics off, with how low his confidence looks this year, I think that by the end of the season, the Eagles are at least just going to say, all right, let's try it, let's see what Jalen Hurts has to give us for a game. I'm going to say it's true as well. My question is, what is the point at which you yank Wentz? Because you are still firmly in the playoff hunt, as crazy as that may seem. And as much as he's turned the ball over, he's also won you a couple close games. So I don't know when they actually make that decision. However, I will say it can't get much worse production-wise than what Carson Wentz has been for you this year. He's taken a league-leading 46 sacks, which obviously speaks to this line, but also speaks to the fact that he continues to insist on playing hero ball, which I guess I understand, but at the same time, the best weapon they have offensively is a running back, so I do think that they should be running more through Miles Sanders. He's thrown a league-leading 15 interceptions. He has another six fumbles lost, and it's not just the hero ball that is leading to all these turnovers, although I do think 
He's consistently scrambling and trying to make magic happen outside of the pocket. That's part of what made Carson Wentz great at his best, but he's also just been so flat-out inaccurate, and I think you can point to mechanical issues there, but man, this dude misses more throws than just about any other starting quarterback, and it's such a wild contrast to what he has been for most of his career because we talk about the drop-off from the MVP season, but if you just compare him to two years ago, he was completing 70% of his passes with 7.9 adjusted yards per attempt. This year, he's completing 58% of his passes with 5.2 adjusted yards per attempt. So it's just a complete flip on his face from what he was previously. If I could wipe out one take of the past year of mine, it honestly might be, well, it'd probably be Malik Monk for most improved player. But besides that, it might be the Carson Wentz defense that I launched earlier this year. Now, I do think that it was well-founded at the time, I guess, but I just thought he was going to turn around his play after the first couple weeks because he's never been a guy who turns the ball over over that much. And this year, he has just been nightmarish. Do you mind if I retract my Bulls playoff take? Well, we don't actually get to retract them, just to be clear. (laughs) And by bringing them up, we actually just remind people that they exist. But... Wentz, I do think, is really talented. He's got to be in a different situation, and he needs to have a change of mindset because he's not throwing guys open trying to make this magic happen. He's throwing to the other team. I think I think what would be the most interesting scenario for the Eagles as this season close out, Carson, is if they do turn the reins over to Jalen Hurts. Hurts leads them to the playoffs. That will have mean that in these past few seasons— Nick Foles will have led to the team to more playoffs, more playoff wins, and a Super Bowl. The backups will have had more success than Carson Wentz on the back half, back end of the seasons than he's ever had. If that case happens, I think Wentz has to get out of Philly because his confidence will be fully shot. He just looks like a broken man. It's just chaotic watching him play. He's trying to do so much at all times, and he's not doing it with great success. Okay, next statement. True or false, Logan? The Raiders and Ravens will both miss the playoffs. I had written true initially, but when you brought up the Ravens back into the schedule, I don't think I can justify it. I think the Ravens are a much too talented football team, even defensively. I think with RG... Now, the Cowboys have a really good run defense. Uh, They stuffed the Steelers. It was an embarrassing performance for them against Pittsburgh, uh, or an embarrassing performance for Pittsburgh running the football. So I think Dallas has a good enough run defense to give them a chance if they're without Lamar Jackson. But if Lamar Jackson is healthy these last five weeks, I think they steamroll every team on the schedule and make it in. As for the Las Vegas Raiders, I think they do miss the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts are a far more talented team. Uh, I think the Dolphins are a far more talented team, at least defensively. And um, while initially when the season started, I was confident in this Raiders offense to keep it up. We saw what happened against Atlanta. When this team turns the ball over like that, when Derek Carr has that bad a performance, uh, you're just not going to win games. So uh, I think with the back end of the schedule, playing the Colts, playing the Chargers, you've got some tough games. I just think the AFC is a little too deep for the Raiders to make the playoffs, but I think the Ravens will sneak in there. So I'm going to go false here. Raiders miss. The Ravens will definitely make the playoffs, though. I completely agree. Both of these teams are currently out of the playoff picture, obviously, but as I mentioned earlier, the Ravens have the easiest schedule remaining. Their average opponent left is on pace for a 5.4 win season. I already said the teams, but it's the Cowboys, Broncos, Jags, Giants, Bengals. Those are four of the eight worst teams in football, and then the Cleveland Browns, who are a completely fraudulent 8-3 and three team. So I think they run the table, and if an 11-5 and five team misses the playoffs, that'll be something. The AFC is incredibly deep. We're going to have a couple quality teams miss, but I think you touched on it with the Raiders. It's just 
They have been riding high for a lot of the season. They've had some really impressive wins. They are also susceptible to a bad game at any moment, and they are more likely to lose to teams they should beat than any other team in this conversation, in my opinion. We saw that with just the nightmare against the Falcons. So I like the Raiders, especially offensively, but I do not think they are a playoff team at this point. Okay, Logan, true or false? The Steelers are the AFC team with the best chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go true. I talked about the Steelers' prowess defensively. They have the number one coverage grade of any team in the NFL. Cameron Sutton, Joe Hayden uh, have all been playing shutdown football along with Minka Fitzpatrick. And I just want to address, Carson, you bring up the Hollywood Brown touchdown that we saw at the end of the game. I've seen that so many times from Terrell Edmonds. He is he's the piece that needs to be moved. He's a great linebacker. I love him there, but... Uh, we need we need a different free safety if we're gonna if we're gonna beat the Chiefs in my opinion. So uh, I think the Steelers are definitely up there. I think that there are some other teams with really good chances. I talk about the Titans. We saw the formula in the Raiders game against the Chiefs. If you can run the ball and if you can just keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, you have a chance at winning. And I think the Titans run game that we saw against the Colts with DeForest Buckner on that line with Justin Houston there with with just big guys that are hard to beat off the line. If they can get that kind of blocking against the Kansas City Chiefs up front, and I know it's going to be tough with guys like Chris Jones, with Frank Clark on that D-line, if they can get uh, if they can get pressure at the line of scrimmage and get Derrick Henry to run down their throats and hold on to that football and just play possession football without turning it over, I think the Titans have a really good chance at beating the Chiefs, especially when pass rush isn't as big an aspect against Patrick Mahomes, when you need to drop into coverage and play uh, Tyreek Hill and Watkins, give them a little bit of a cushion uh, on defense. So I think the Titans are up there, and then I'm going to let you get into it because I think the Buffalo Bills have an excellent chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs if they play. Again, the Bills are going to have to do something they've struggled with all season, and that's hold on to the football. That's always difficult with Josh Allen under center, but if Allen is at an MVP level and has a huge game against the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I think it's fully feasible that the Bills could win it against them as well. So, first off, I'd like to say I don't see the Titans formula at all. And the reason for that is you say that generating pressure isn't as big of a deal. I disagree with that. I think that, obviously, you don't want to blitz Patrick Mahomes because he will just dissect you that way. But if you're rushing four and you're not getting pressure, then it doesn't matter how many guys you have in coverage. You're giving Patrick Mahomes a bunch of time to do whatever he wants. So I just don't see the defense being strong enough there. In the time of possession game, it sounds good against the Chiefs, but they are the quickest hitting offense in football history. So you can possess the ball for 38 minutes against them and still let up 35 points because they are that quick as far as how they attack. So... I do think it's the Steelers. I question the firepower offensively just a little bit when it comes to that high-end ceiling against the Chiefs because you have to score with them if you're going to beat them. And I don't love the run game. You already talked about that earlier. But at the same time, this is the only defense that I can see really affecting Mahomes rushing four. Now, you can point to the Ravens as being in that tier as well, but I don't like their offensive firepower at all when it comes to throwing the ball and getting into a shootout there. Losing Bud Dupree does really hurt in this respect for the Steelers because he has been fundamental to how great this pass rush has been, but it's the two-way ability that I like for them. The Bills, I think, are the next best contender. I think that they, on their best day, can put up points with the Kansas City Chiefs. When this offense is scripted, when Brian Dable has a clear idea of what he wants to accomplish, there is arguably nobody better at just drawing receivers open, in my opinion, and this Bills offense can just move the ball effortlessly, but... 
Can they make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable? I don't really think so. Can they put together four good quarters of football, which is what you have to do against the Kansas City Chiefs, because if you don't, they will leap on you in one second and put up 21 and a quarter, and then you're just done. I don't know if they can. So I think it has to be the Steelers, but honestly, I'm not particularly confident in anyone really pushing the Chiefs. You say you think the Bills have a great chance. Why are you a little bit more optimistic about them than I am? Just because I know the offensive firepower that the Bills can unleash if they're at full capacity. The connection between uh, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen I've seen this year and the rest of your wide receiving core. I just know you, Josh Allen has the ability to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes and win. That being said, uh, I also think your secondary is really good. If Trey White is having a shutdown game and can go head-to-head with Tyreek Hill, I think they have a chance at winning. Uh, it's really your secondary and your offensive firepower. I also don't like the Bills' inability to... Uh, get to the pa- uh, to the passer as well. Um, and as for the Steelers, I think you touched on it pretty right, uh, Carson. If the key to beating Patrick Mahomes is forcing turnovers, and that's the key. The Steelers are the best turnover forcing team in football. So uh, any team that can force turnovers on Mahomes, I think, has a good chance at winning the game. But the Bills just have a a really good vertical offense that could go head to head with Mahomes. Which I completely understand. I think that they have the second-best offense in the AFC. You can argue the Titans, but when it comes to a playoff offense, I will take the great passing offense over the great running offense. But you just have to be such a great all-around football team because no matter how good your offense is, it's not as good as the Kansas City Chiefs. This leads us into our fourth statement. True or false, Logan? The Kansas City Chiefs finished this season as the best team of the 21st century. I thought about this one long and hard, and it's hard to argue against this year's Kansas City Chiefs team when you have the literal greatest quarterback talent of all time ever in Patrick Mahomes, when you have crazy weapons on offense, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and you have an excellent defense as well. It's hard to argue against it, but I'm going to go false. I think the best team that I have seen in the 21st century is still the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, and when you talk about head-to-head matchups between all-time great defenses and all-time great offenses, we saw that happen in that year's Super Bowl in 2013 when they took on the greatest offense of all time in that Peyton Manning-led Broncos team, and they held them to eight points. So you're not going to convince me that this team couldn't hang with them. They had Bobby Wagner, Carl, uh, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, uh, Richard Sherman. I mean, I just think defensively, this team had so much firepower. They were so elite at forcing turnovers every moment. You have an all-time great quarterback talent, Russell Wilson. Uh, I just like the Seattle, the 2013 Seahawks uh, defense a little more than this year's Kansas City team. I think they could go head-to-head if we ever saw that matchup and win. So I also think the 07 Patriots are probably in consideration just because of the high-octane offense we saw with them, with Randy Moss, with Brady. It's hard to go against them. I am going to take the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, though. So right now, I would have the Seahawks in that spot as far as they are the best team of the century to this point, 13-3 and with a plus 11.7 point differential, as you mentioned, just so convincingly dominant in the Super Bowl, and we know how talented this roster was, particularly defensively, but on both ends, but they just didn't have the same feeling of inevitability that this Chiefs team does. They were actually two and a half point underdogs versus the Broncos, and that was a fantastic Broncos team, but you say that was the best offense of all time, maybe in that moment... Maybe statistically, but this version of Patrick Mahomes is the best player who has ever played football. We have never seen somebody who can do the things that he can do and who also doesn't turn the ball over. So I don't see this Chiefs team even being pushed. I think 
Great offense beats great defense in the modern NFL, and I think that this is the greatest offense that we have ever seen, even if the numbers don't suggest that. They're not perfect. Their last three wins are by one possession. They're not completely and utterly untouchable, but they feel like it when they go down against the Raiders with a minute 50-something left, and you just know that Mahomes is going to go down and march them into the end zone because he's Patrick Mahomes. I just expect this team to win out. I think they're 15-1. I think they dominate the playoffs. The only other team that I would argue in this century conversation is the 2000 Ravens because it's maybe the best defense of all time, but they only averaged 20.8 points per game, which was league average that year. And I will say you talk about the great defense versus great offense in Seahawks versus Broncos. We saw it last year. The Niners were statistically an all-time great defense. Maybe they weren't the 2013 Seahawks, but they were close. And guess who beat them? The Kansas City Chiefs. And that Niners offense was demonstrably better than the Seahawks offense ever was because it was a 29-point-per-game, well-oiled machine, and the Chiefs said bye-bye, and they're only better this year. I'm just in awe that you compared the 2013 Seahawks to the Super Bowl defense that we saw from the 49ers last season. That just, I don't think they're in the same class. Well, maybe not because the 2013 Seahawks defense might be top five of all time, but dude, that Niners defense was ridiculous. It is not just to be dismissed. Okay. Speaking of great defenses, Logan, the last true or false statement, the Rams have the best defense in the league right now. I wouldn't call anyone crazy for saying that they are. I'm still going to take the Steelers, but uh, this secondary that the Rams have is elite. Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey, uh, they have been two of the best uh, corners in football by passer rating, by pass deflections, whatever metric. We've seen how uh, they've shut down teams in the second half. Uh one of the best second-half defenses in the NFL. Darius Williams this year, four picks. Jordan Fuller, three. Uh, Williams also has 13 pass deflections. And then on the line, when you get into guys like Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, when they can just get pressure at the drop of a hat, uh, they have a elite defense. But I'm still going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lead in so many defensive categories, it doesn't make sense. And I will still stick by that T.J. Watt is the best defensive player in the NFL over a guy like Aaron Donald. I got... You want to hear the laundry list that the Pittsburgh Steelers lead in, Carson? Uh, mm -hmm, sure. Number one in defensive completion percentage, fewest first downs, interceptions per game, QB hits, QB hit percentage, QB pressures, red zone takeaways, sacks, stuff percentage, tackles for loss, takeaways, negative rush attempts. Uh, it's stupid. I, I think I think to argue that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the wor uh, not the best defense in the NFL is a dumb take. I think. I think it's Steelers, and then I think it's everybody else. I th I would probably have the Rams. Uh, I'd have the Rams number three, honestly, probably behind the Ravens, and then I'd have the Bucks four. The Rams are up there, but I think the Steelers are a cut above everybody. What if we account for the losses of Bud Dupree and Devin Bush? Does that change things at all? Because the Steelers' defense going forward is probably not going to be completely what it has been to this point. Yeah, you know, I, that's an interesting aspect, and I've been trying to block the loss of Bud Dupree out of my mind as far as possible because it's a huge one. Uh, I think that we'll see a drop-off in sacks just because when you don't have Bud Dupree coming off the edge, you're not getting as much pressure. But I think we have a lot of personnel that can fill in for Bud, uh, as in a Vince Williams. I think they could shove the outside linebacker. Vince is a great pass rusher. He's a great run stopper. Uh, Alex Highsmith will plug in really well, but... I think they I, they do hurt, but Robert Spillane's a great coverage backer. I think the pickup of Avery Williamson helps that a little bit. Even with the losses, though, I still think that the Steelers are the best defense in the NFL. I mean, 
they still have got the best front four in the league with uh, Aluwalu, Tuit, Hayward, and Watt. So uh, I still think they're one, although those losses uh, definitely hurt. All right, well, I'm going to make the case for the Rams as the best defense in football considering those losses for the Steelers. And you gave the laundry list for the Steelers. Let me give you the laundry list for the Rams. They have allowed the least passing touchdowns in football this year at 11 with the seventh most interceptions, also 11, and the third least passing yards allowed. They've allowed the least net yards per pass attempt at just 5.2. They've forced 18 turnovers, which is the fourth best in football. They allow 3.9 yards per carry on the ground. They allow, and these are two of the most meaningful stats we have, the least yards per drive and the least points per drive. Over the last five weeks, they have forced 12 turnovers. So they may not quite have the Steelers total on the year, but they are certainly on pace with them right now. And you talk about the Steelers front four completely loaded. I will agree, but the Rams are right there. They have a fourth best 34 sacks. Donald has 12 with 21 QB hits. Leonard Floyd has 7 with 15 QB hits. Michael Brockers has 3 with 7 QB hits, and I think he's better than the numbers suggest. You talked about how loaded the secondary is. They have 5 real quality guys in that unit. They've only allowed over 24 points twice. Once was against the Dolphins when they allowed 8 first downs. That was completely because of offensive turnovers and special teams errors. And the other was versus Buffalo where... They were shredded in the first half, but then completely dominant in the second half. If you look at how they fared against great offenses, they held the Seahawks to a season-low 16 points. They held the Bucks to 251 yards, which is their lowest of the season, except for that nightmare they had against the New Orleans Saints. So I think this is an incredibly talented unit all around, and the Steelers may have been slightly better up to this point, but I think the Dupree loss probably hurts a little bit more than you're giving it credit for because... This Steelers pass rush has certainly been the best in football up to this point. I don't know if it is going forward. That's their second best pass rusher who just went out the window. So I think it's very close. I'm going to lean Rams for argument's sake because I think this unit is more special than we have given them credit for this season. And it just speaks to how good they should be if not for the relative incompetence of Jared Goff and just the inconsistency of Jared Goff. All right, Logan. With that out of the way, let's move on to Award Tour, which is a personal favorite segment here where we hand out awards to the most deserving recipients of the past week. I'm going to start things off with the Da Bears Suck Award, which goes to the Chicago Bears. Unsurprisingly, they have now lost five straight games. They were whacked 41-25 by the Packers on Sunday Night Football. It could be Trubisky. It could be Foles. It doesn't matter. They suck. I thought this was very obvious when they were a fraudulent 5-1 and team after beating up on some jokers. I'm very grateful that I rated my playoff confidence in them so low when we did that segment. The Bears suck. Uh, my first award is the Shane Falco Award, and I am giving that to Kendall Hinton, Hinton excuse me, for filling in as the replacement for the COVID-riddled QB staff for the Broncos. Hinton came in, went one for nine, 13 yards, and two interceptions against that Super Bowl-caliber Saints defense. I applaud him just for showing up and uh, giving me that Shane Falco Sugar Bowl performance that they all talk about in any given Sunday. Uh, but props to you, Kendall. Uh, good luck in your future endeavors. I thought about giving Kendall the Sucks to Suck Nerd Award, which I thought was a little disrespectful <laughs> because he is a practice squad receiver playing quarterback, but not a great game for Kendall. The Worst Playoff Team Ever Award goes to the Cleveland Browns, who just barely beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
and came down to a stopped two-point conversion. They're eight and three with a negative 1.9 point differential with just a crazy easy schedule. If you go by pro football references, simple rating system, which just combines point differential and strength of schedule, it has them 24th in football. The teams they've beaten have a combined 26 and 59 record. So they are on pace for 4.9 wins per season each. It's just a disgustingly easy schedule. They are going to make the playoffs. I've been saying they would for some time, but it is completely because of the schedule that has been laid out in front of them. If you didn't hear that clearly, please run it back. It's valuable information. The Browns are certainly the worst playoff team this season. Uh, My next award is the Politician Award, and I'm giving that to Roger Goodell. Uh, Goodell was interviewed at halftime by Mike Tirico during the Ravens-Steelers game and was asked why the Broncos were forced to play with their COVID situation while the Ravens game was postponed, to which Goodell responded, our decisions are based on medical issues. And then he completely avoided the rest of the question. So... Congratulations, Goodell. After your career as the commissioner of the NFL, I applaud you to go into politics. You'd be excellent. Well, actually, I have to point out that you have to be kind of likable and like gregarious to be a politician, which is the exact opposite of Roger Goodell. I'm going to give the spoiler award to the San Francisco 49ers, who beat the Rams for the second time this year. Their season is effectively over, although the wildcard race is heating up a little bit in the NFC, but I don't think that they are healthy enough to get there. However, they have prevented the Rams from maybe being considered an elite team if they're sitting at 9-2, but instead now they are at 7-4, still in the playoff hunt, or they're in playoff position, but they are still in the thick of the race because the Niners have said no, no, no. My final award is the, oh my God, you're killing me. It's fourth down and you have a pretty decent special teams unit award. And I'm giving that to Doug Peterson and Pete Carroll for the Eagles and Seahawks week 12 matchup where both teams went for it on fourth down for a combined five times. Neither team converted a single fourth down conversion while three of them were in uh, were in scoring territory where they could have taken a field goal. It was an embarrassing coaching matchup to watch. All right, well, that does it for award tour. Let's get in now to our final segment of the day, Logan, over under another returning favorite here on Nerd Sesh. I tell you a number, you say, will this team or player go over or under? The Arizona Cardinals, over under 24 points versus the Rams this week. Uh, I'm going to take the under here. These past two weeks uh, against a pretty mediocre Seattle defense, they only scored 21 against the Patriots in which Bill Belichick clearly game plan for Kyler Murray. They only scored 17. And again, they are a DeAndre Hopkins failed Hail Mary away from only dropping 25 on the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to take the under here. The Cardinals have underperformed offensively in each of the past three weeks. And uh, we didn't just talk up the (laughs) Carson didn't just talk up the Rams defense, all that to, uh, for us to discredit them by saying they're going to go over that. So uh, I'm going to take the under. I think the Rams defense is going to come out hungry and is going to dominate Kyler Murray and get some pressure. And if you've got the weapons uh, in that secondary to shut down D-Hop and uh, this talented receiving course, I'm taking the under. I'm going to go under as well. This is a very close one. But as I said earlier, the Rams have only allowed over 24 twice all year and once had nothing to do with their actual defense's performance. So the Cardinals, I love them. I think that they have obviously cooled down a little bit. They should still be a playoff team. They are still talented, but I'm going to take the under here. Taysom Hill, over under 200 yards versus the Atlanta Falcons. This was a really tough one. I wanted to say over immediately just because I think that this Falcons defense is that bad that Taysom Hill could easily pass 200 yards. You've got Thomas and Kamara to dump the ball off too. But I'm going to take the under because I expect the Saints to have such a big lead 
that they will just run Taysom Hill and run Alvin Kamara the rest of the game to burn clock off because the Saints are that much supremely better than the Falcons uh, because – Honestly, either way, the Falcons' defense has been horrible. They allowed 166 rushing yards to the Saints in their last matchup. Uh, I expect more of the same here in this one. I'm going to go over, and this was a close one for me as well, but Taysom did have 233 a couple weeks ago against the Falcons. He only had 78 last week, but this Falcons' pass defense is so abysmal outside of a, a pretty solid performance against Derek Carr in which he had the worst game of his season last week, but they've only held one guy below 200 yards passing all year. They allow 291 yards per game. Taysom Hill is obviously different because he's not really a quarterback at the same time. I think it's just so easy to throw against this defense that he will breach 200, but it's going to be close. And you make a good point about them taking that early lead because if that does happen, then maybe they just won't be throwing the football at all because it's certainly not their preference with Taysom Hill under center. Okay, Logan. Derrick Henry, over under 150 yards versus the Cleveland Browns. This one was pretty easy. I'm going to take the over. Uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans have been on fire these past three weeks. Henry has been running over everybody. We saw just last week they allowed James Robinson to torch them, the Browns. Uh, a few weeks ago against the Raiders, we saw Josh Jacobs torch them for nearly 200. Uh, this Browns run defense is not great. And I, hell, they let uh, they let James Conner run for over 100 on them. So by that metric, I'm going to take Derrick Henry for the over 150. Uh, I think the Browns have a pretty decent defensive line, but the Titans, when the Titans can do that to the Colts, I'll tell I would have taken the over on basically every single team, no matter who it was. Uh, I'm that confident in Derrick Henry. I just think it's bold to say that it's easy to go the over on 150 yards against anyone. I just want to take a moment to shout out Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, dude. I love monster running back seasons, and we are having two of the best of the century right now, and it is a lot of fun. I'm going to take the under, though. As dominant as Henry has been, he's only gone over 150 once over the past three weeks. Now he's been 103, 133, 178. That's about as good as it gets. But this Browns run defense has been pretty good. They allow 4.1 yards per carry. They're ninth best in yards allowed this year. I do think this is going to be a gritty competitive game. Although I'm not high on the Browns, I'm not sure the Titans go out there and blow them out of the water or even win because they have been inconsistent in their own right. And I don't think they're great by eight and three team standards. So... It's going to be an interesting one. I can't bet the over, but it certainly could happen because Derrick Henry is just unreal. All right, Logan, two of your favorite teams come up in this question. Steelers versus football team over under eight total sacks. The foot. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll be a, I'll be a pseudo football team fan. Uh, I'm going to take the under here. Uh, I think the football team has a really tremendous pass rush. I think in a few seasons, once they secure that quarterback position down away from Alex Smith, uh, Terry McLaurin and them are going to have a monster season because of how dominant this young pass rush is. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Allen have all been tremendous this season. Uh, but I am going to take the under one because I don't expect Big Ben to get hit that much in this game. Uh, ben has had tremendous pass protection this entire year. So uh, I don't expect this young pass rush to really hurt us too bad. And as Carson mentioned earlier, with the loss of Bud Dupree, I don't expect the Steelers pass rush to be as dominant. Um, the the worst, I think, matchup that we saw for the football team was against the Rams where Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers, Leonard Flory, just swarmed Alex Smith. I think they sacked him uh, six or seven times in the very little time he was in the game. So I think we can force home some pressure. I'm just not eight-sack confident after the loss of a guy like Bud Dupree. 
I'm going to take the under as well. This was a close one for me, but really the defining stat, although these teams are first and second in sacks this year, the Steelers have just allowed 10 sacks all year, which might be the best mark in football. I'm not totally sure. It certainly sounds like it. So I don't see the football team generating that much pressure and actually bringing Ben down that many times, although it is possible because these are two great units. DK Metcalf, over under 150 receiving yards versus the Giants. You know, I'm going to take the under here. Uh, we've seen in the past few weeks, uh, the actually we've seen all season, uh, the Giants have not allowed many passers to go over 300 yards. Uh, they let Alex Smith do it once. They let Carson Wentz do it and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Every other game has been under 300. So 150 is going to be a tough mark to hit. And I just think with the the secondary talent that they have here. Joe Judge is a smart defensive guy. He's been helping coach up all of these corners all season long. James Bradbury has been one of the best in the league. Logan Ryan uh, he was a great free agent addition for this squad. I just think if there's any team that really matches up well with this offensive firepower that the Seahawks have, well, I think it's the Giants just because of the personnel they have. They can match up with Tyler Lockett, with DK Metcalf. So uh, I'm confident that they shut down DK for a game. I think the – I think who the Cardinals shut down DK for one game. There was the Rams, the Rams uh, and the Rams have pretty similar personnel. I would say uh, the Rams, I think are a cut above of the best secondary in the league. I don't think the giants are far behind with their personnel. So uh, I will take the under here uh, for DK. That was a pretty funny list of teams that have gone over 300 yards against the giants. Not the best quarterbacks the league has to offer in Carson Wentz, Alex Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to go the under here as well. And let me just say, I hate it more than anything when people talk about their fantasy football teams for the most part. But I will point out that I am playing for my life this week. And I'm going up against both DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. And also, actually, Derrick Henry. So maybe this is all wishful thinking. But James Bradbury, I call upon thee. Go ahead and do your job. DK, as great as he is, he's only gone over 150 twice all year. Now, that's a lot of times to go over 150. But... I don't think he does it this week. I think that the, obviously Bradbury is one of the best cornerbacks this league has to offer. And I don't know how much the Seahawks will be passing the ball. Now, they kind of pass no matter what, although they have turned to the run a little bit more. They should be in control of this game. And hopefully he doesn't go out there and do anything completely insane for the sake of this take and for the sake of my well-being. All right, Logan. Last one here. The Chiefs over under three forced turnovers versus the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to take the over here in their last game against Denver. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs forced four turnovers, and in recent weeks, uh, the Broncos have been really good at turning the ball over. They had five against the Raiders, two against the Dolphins, three against the Saints. Uh, so I'm going to take the over just because I think Drew Locke and them are going to be trying to force the ball downfield. They're going to have to to try to stay in this game against Kansas City. It's going to be an absolute track meet offensively for uh, the Chiefs. So I think the Broncos are going to be forced to – sling the ball downfield, which is going to in turn uh, force a few turnovers for Drew Locke, for Blake Bortles, Kendall Hinton, uh, Shane Falco, whoever the Broncos have starting at quarterback this week. It's going to be bad for them. I'll just go on the record and say I don't think it's going to be Shane Falco. This is a really tough one for me because the Broncos have turned the ball over a whopping 26 times this year. They had four versus the Chiefs in round one. I want to say this is going to be a push because I think three turnovers is the number to set it out. But for boldness's sake, I'll go over. I initially had underwritten down, but a little bit of a flip there on my part just because I think 
the Broncos are going to have to try to make some magic happen to stay in this game, and I don't think they're going to do that with a great deal of success because it has just been hideous for them as far as the quarterback position this year. And Drew Locke is the kind of guy who I don't know what his future is with this team. Maybe he's not the long-term starter. We shall see. That's going to do it for us here today, unless you have any parting thoughts, Logan. It has been a great deal of fun talking NFL. As always, we will be talking NFL again next week and also beginning our NBA season previews, which is obviously very exciting. So that will do it for us here on Nerd Sesh. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.